Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honour. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him, and also to see Lazarus, the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. But the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Praise to the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hail to the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfilment of prophecy. But after Jesus had entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realised that these things had been written about him. Hi friends, it is so, so good to be back with you and uh, I don't know about you, but it did my heart an immense amount of good last week just to see everyone's faces and I'm kind of missing seeing everyone's faces. If you uh, missed out on kind of our Zoom meeting format where we had a together Sunday, uh, it wasn't a one-off, we are going to be repeating them uh, and so please do look out for those as I know for me it just did my heart so much good and I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, But today, I guess I want to invite you, and I'm already inviting myself, to um, see and savour Jesus over this coming week. As we lead up to Resurrection Sunday, as we get to celebrate next Sunday in the risen Lord Jesus, I want us to use this coming week, including today, to just keep seeing and savouring the wonder of who Jesus is. As I believe as we do that, that Jesus wants to come and bring hope deep into our hearts. He wants to come and bring life into us. He wants to come and and cause us to know that that he restores us, that he comes and wipes away every tear. He comes and causes us to know that, that he has the final say. And therefore, if you're feeling weary, if you're starting to lose heart, my invitation is, let's come and see and savor Jesus this coming week. Maybe you're not growing weary and you're losing heart. Maybe it's that you just think, man, what's going to happen next? Well, in this moment, I want to say, come and see and savor Jesus as it will do you good. 
And to start us off on this Palm Sunday, I want us to zoom in on this passage that Sarah so excellently read from us, for us from John chapter 12, where in it, what I want us to look at is to see this Jesus who we get to see and savor is a Jesus who is a king like no other. A king like no other. See, often when you think of kings, you can think of people who are beyond us, away from us, above us, um, seeking to power over us. And yet we're going to discover Jesus is nothing like that. Jesus is one who's full of goodness, who's longing to fill your life and my life with his goodness. About a week or so ago, um, my family and I discovered a load of photos that we'd forgotten we'd got. They were stored on a hard drive, and uh, we found them for kind of like around 10 plus years ago. And over the past week, we've going to be taking moments to like look at those photos. And to be honest, as you look at the photos, we, we don't just race through them as a kind of some sort of competition of how many can we get through in an evening, but rather just seek to pause over each image, because as we pause in each image, it causes us to kind of remember, remember that moment, remember what was going on in that moment. It causes us to like celebrate on like what's been happening since that point. You see, when we look back, we kind of see how the kids have grown, like they're going to love me for saying that. But also we get to see that there was a day where when my hair wasn't as gray as this, uh, when I wasn't quite as podgy as I am now, that I've kind of bulked up a bit in the wrong ways and got a lot grayer over the last 10 to 12 years. And it kind of shows that. But, but then it's just a load of fun kind of pausing and kind of taking moments to zoom in on each image. And the Gospel of John is like that. Like John writes it in a way where we're to like, look at the different scenes that he's painting, that he's picturing. And to not race through to the next one, but to pause over it, to uh, contemplate it, to uh, allow it to speak to us and for us to see all that's going on. And the reality is that every moment that we look at it, every time we look back at the Gospel of John, we'll, we'll get to see something fresh. That's my hope today, that as we look for some at this familiar story of Palm Sunday, we look for others at a story maybe we've never heard before, that for each of us, we'll kind of come with those fresh eyes that allow us to see the wonder of Jesus as a king that is like no other. But the first scene I want us to look at is a scene that, G, that John kind of paints for us. It's a, a scene of um, a meal with friends. We find Jesus is having a meal with some incredibly good friends, with Mary, with Martha, and with Lazarus. And there's a load of other people around, but John wants us to zoom in on this meal with this family, this brother and sister, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And he wants to do that because he wants us to remember like this family. This family like set the scene of everything we're about to look at. You see, if we were to flick back one chapter, we discover that this family had like a phenomenal moment happen. You see, John kind of points to it at the beginning of this chapter and said, yeah, yeah Lazarus, do you remember him? He, he's the one that Jesus brought back to life. Like Lazarus was dead and Jesus brought him back to life. 
See, John wants us to understand that. He wants that to be ringing around in our mind as we get to look at the next parts of the scene. See, in this moment, what it does is it reminds us of all that went on around Jesus bringing Lazarus to life. You see, in chapter 11, what you find is that that moment of Lazarus being brought back to life by Jesus is is kind of sandwiched in this kind of proclamation of what it was going to cost Jesus. See, just before Jesus goes to Lazarus and after Jesus raised Lazarus from life, you discover that it's going to be a high cost to Jesus. That for Jesus to go and bring life to Lazarus, it's actually going to be at the cost of his life. That him going to where Lazarus is, is to go to where people are out to take his life. And Jesus doesn't question it. This is the way. This is the way that he's going to bring life. This is the kind of king that he is, that he's one who's willing to bring life at the cost of his life. So much so that we're going to get to this point in John chapter 15, if you were to read on and you discover where Jesus kind of reflects back on this moment and pushes forward to every moment to come and proclaims this in John 15 verse 13. He says this, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Like Lazarus sat there at this meal embodies this. Jesus' love for him, his willingness to lay down his life in order that this friend Lazarus could know life. But John wants that ringing around in our ears as we kind of start to look at who this king is that is Jesus, as he wants us to know, oh, who's this king? Oh, he's the king who speaks over not just Lazarus, but over you and over me. That greater love have no one than this. Then he laid down his life at his friends. You are my friends. That's the kind of king Jesus is. And it's from this meal, from that setting of understanding the family that he's with and what that family speaks of, that we have this most intimate of moments where Lazarus's sister Mary takes the center stage. And we see the next scene, which is an anointing the king. Anointing the king. You see, what happens is Mary comes and falls at Jesus' feet and pours out this perfume oil all over them. And it was this amazing act of devotion and love and worship of who Jesus is. One that causes others to take offense. But John also wants us to see, hey, there's something significant going on in this moment there's a significance that Jesus is going to point to in a moment but it's also meant to kind of trigger things that have gone on before like hyperlinks that you have in the story of the bible that have been before of a different moment where a different king was anointed the least likely individual a guy called David where Samuel comes and anoints him with oil And in that moment of anointing him with oil, it's proclaiming he will be king. And there will be a moment where he will be inaugurated as king. Now, everyone knew about King David. He was like the best of kings. Like they were always looking forward to a moment where the best of kings would return. He'd been promised. 
a king like David, but without all the failings, who would cause God's rule and reign to be known forever. And that king who'd been anointed, which pointed to his inauguration at a different point, in this moment, we discover Jesus is anointed by Mary. And Jesus then points out when the inauguration is going to happen. Jesus says, oh, this oil that's been poured out is what? Is preparation for my burial. That the inauguration of Jesus' king, the moment he takes up his throne is the moment that he's on the cross and is crucified and dies. The giving of his life is the proclamation of his kingship. King like no other. A king who out of his love for you and me is willing to lay down his life for his friends in order that they would know life. See, from this scene of the anointing of the king, like John pushes us forward to the next kind of scene where we go from the intimacy of this family meal to the bustling streets of Jerusalem when we find the king revealed. See, John wants to see this king revealed. See, we see Jesus as a king revealed through both the moment he arrives in Jerusalem and through the way he arrives in Jerusalem. John wants us to pause and look at that and say, hey, this wasn't at any old time. It was at this moment of time. It wasn't in any old way. It was in this way that Jesus arrived. Because in understanding the moment, in understanding the way you get to see the wonder of who this King Jesus is and what he's come to do. So John says, like, the moment Jesus arrives, where people start to proclaim, hey, it's the King, not fully knowing what they were saying, is the moment of Passover festival. It's all going to be building through to the Friday. But this Passover festival is a celebration, a celebration of how God had rescued and delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. And Jesus says, oh, this is the kind of king, a king who's come to deliver, a king who's come to rescue, who's come to deliver and rescue from anything that enslaves his friends, even death. But it's not only in the moment that Jesus arrives that it reveals who he is as king. It's also in the way that he arrives, as we find that he arrives on a donkey. Like it points to, this is like a king like no other. It's like not arriving in a chariot or on horseback. No, he's arriving on a donkey. It speaks of his humility, his servanthood. But also speaks of this promise that had been given before in Zechariah, that points to the wonder of who this king is. If you go back and read Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 to 10, it points to the fact that there's this king that's going to come, who will come in humility and provide peace for everyone, wholeness for all who receive him as king. Like, how amazing is that? That this is a king who comes not to conquer, not to kind of control, but rather to liberate. It's a king who comes to cause all who understand and receive him to know wholeness. 
John wants us to see Jesus is a king like no other. He's a king like no other. He's a king that has come to give rather than gain. He's a king that's come to liberate rather than control. He's a king that comes and speaks over you and speaks over me and says, greater love is no one than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends and you are my friends. Jesus comes and in that call of us to, that we're his friends, he lays down his life in order that through his resurrection, he can bring us life, a life of liberty, a life where we're rescued, a life where we know wholeness. That's what this king comes to bring. And the question is, will we receive him? Will we welcome him? Will we say, Jesus, come and cause your kingship to take rule in my life? I don't know about you, but I need liberating. I need rescuing. I need wholeness. Like at the moment, are you someone who knows you need rescuing? You know you need deliverance. You know you need wholeness. Because Jesus longs to come and meet with you and meet with me. And draw us in to the life that he offers as king. Which leaves us then with this question, like, how are we going to respond to the king? Do we need to be those who, in this moment, like, say, I I need to investigate more? I love the fact that John's pretty okay with that. It's like, as he's talking the story through, he's like, yeah, we didn't understand this at the time. It was like later on. As we were looking back, we kind of had investigated some things. Jesus had shared some things after his resurrection. We suddenly realized, oh, that's what was going on. Like for some of us, we need to spend some time investigating. We're trying to figure out like, who is Jesus? Is he really this kind of king? A king who gives all in order that we can gain all? Like I encourage you, keep talking to others, investigating. Like maybe if you're not on Alpha at the moment, maybe sign up to do Alpha, in order that you can investigate more of who Jesus is. For others of us, it's not that we're investigating, it's that we're welcoming. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's we've done it before, but we've just kind of lost sight of who Jesus is as King. And we come afresh and say, I welcome you, King Jesus. What does that mean? It means, Jesus, I see you're a kind of King who gives all in order that I can gain all. And therefore, Jesus, I say, I want you to be king of my life. I put you at the center. I put you on the throne of my life in order that your rule and reign of goodness can penetrate every area of my life. In order that I know your deliverance, your rescue, and your wholeness more and more. And maybe it's not investigating, maybe it's not welcoming. I wonder if for many of us it's worship. It's in that moment of seeing and savoring the wonder of who Jesus is as king, that like Mary, we're those who fall at his feet and just say, in our frailty and our brokenness, everything I am, I give to you, King Jesus. Or maybe it's like the crowds on the streets of Jerusalem 
who can't help but stand and proclaim, Jesus, you are so, so good. You are an amazing king. And I proclaim and celebrate you. Maybe even in your lounge at the moment, maybe you've been laying in bed at this moment, you want to stand up and say, Jesus, you are good. He is, isn't he? And surely it's worth doing that sometimes. So for some of us, it's that falling at his knee. Some of us, it's standing and proclaiming. It's that worship. And in a moment, we're going to return to just sing of the goodness of this king. But before we get there, I want to just pray for us. I want to pray for you if you're wanting to investigate more. I want to pray for you if you're wanting to welcome Jesus. I want to pray for all of us that this coming week we will see and savor the wonder of this King Jesus. Just where you are, why don't you just close your eyes. I'll pray for us. Jesus, I thank you. You are present with every individual. And I want to pray for each of us, whether we're those that are still investigating who you are, whether those who today maybe for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time we're welcoming you again into our lives to be the king of our lives or whether we're those that just want to fall at your feet or stand and proclaim that you're a king who is so so good I pray for each of us that we'd hear you speak over us today and over these coming days greater love has no one than this then he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. Amen.